Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You, you're the one from my dreams. Uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> you, can't just, you can't just do that to me. Uh, I'm doing great. I have exciting news. I have finished God of War 2018. Ah, me too. Oh, nice. For the second time, right? For the, yes, it is the second time. Yeah. Nice. Did yeah. I jump into New Game Plus immediately? You bet I did. <laughs> I almost did the same, but I wanted to kind of sit on it a little bit. Yeah. I'll probably revisit it because we have a f- couple weeks before we're recording our bonus about it this month. But I, I wanted to kind of sit on the ending and then I might go back and do some of the side stuff I missed or like the Valkyrie fights that I haven't done any of. So. Yeah. That's the closest the game gets to being like, yes, you could have just spent the whole game like throwing the Leviathan axe over and over again at like a thing's <laughs> <laughs> but if you really engage with it the combat can be extremely extremely tight uh and the valkyrie fights kind of like force you into that uh in, into that avenue which is fun yeah i i love the combat i would say my only critique of the combat is that the game is like so excited to put enemies behind you like at every opportunity <laughs> that like as soon as you think you're doing well you hear like behind you just give me one fight where there's not someone behind me i literally have a head on my belts behind me that can see for me yeah he uh, he yells it out every once in a while which is he does yeah he he helps uh i appreciate the help of of atreus and mamir but it was still like like there were some fights where the difficulty curve was like what if there was just a hundred more guys here it's like why is that like always (laughs) you know it's hard enough to fight certain like there's one uh there's one fight where you first meet a traveler or at least i first met a traveler which are like the knights you meet in the first dark souls that are just like yeah in early areas where you might out of hubris be like i can fight that no you really can't (laughs) you might never be able to actually anyway more on that in the coming weeks but uh, i finished it very happy i finally played it i have a lot to talk about regarding that game i think that will be another four hour bonus so uh (laughs) buckle up I'm uh yeah I'm I'm stoked about it and I'm almost done reading Norse mythology which is also exciting which is gonna yeah. be our patron bonus for the month as well uh which is gonna be really fun yeah God of War that game holds up yeah that game extremely holds up anyway speaking of holding up you've returned to our muse Oblivion oh yeah man yeah I uh I, I was doing a stream last night at the time of this recording um where I wanted to check out Fallout New Vegas again I just like tweeted out a poll of like a bunch of things I downloaded on on Game Pass and uh. Decided to jump into Fallout New Vegas and uh, I, I didn't like it that much. Sorry. Uh, and then was like, OK, I'm going to find something else to do that I'm going to like enjoy more because I had just like hours of stream in me and I didn't know what to do with it. So I played a, a game called Splitgate for a little bit, which uh, I might talk about maybe towards the end of the episode and then uh, jumped into Oblivion and just started a new character, which was, you know, of course, nonsense uh and so fun that game like especially coming hot off the heels of playing fallout new vegas because i I feel like you and i talk a lot about the fallout and and elder scrolls like divide sure yeah there are some people who enjoy both i feel like if you enjoy fallout you also enjoy elder scrolls but if you enjoy elder scrolls that doesn't mean you like fallout i like both i'm definitely more into elder scrolls but i enjoyed fallout 3 and i enjoy new vegas a lot it's interesting that new vegas has become the one everyone points to as the best because when it came out it was received more like an expansion pack for three yeah i remember that and it was kind of written off as being like very buggy and it very much is as evidenced by your stream yeah man. that's kind of <laughs> part of the course for any 
2010s Bethesda game. But I think why people love that game so much is the is the writing and the I think Fallout as a series actually does role playing the best. It's it's somewhat mm. between this sort of like blank canvas of Elder Scrolls where like you can role play, but it's kind of up to you to like fill in the blanks in your head of who your character is. But because the game is so open, it does like really allow for that in a big way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fallout New Vegas especially is somewhat between that and like a Bioware game where like in Mass Effect you have, you know, certain decisions you can make. But you can't veer too far off the course, whereas in New Vegas, the amount of possibilities for who your character is, is pretty miraculous. And I think that's something you don't really learn upon release, which is why I think the game has been better received over time. Because as people return to it, there's actually more to appreciate. Whereas I think a lot of other Bethesda games, the more you return to it, the emptier it can feel sometimes. Yeah. So I don't have the same reverence for New Vegas as other people do, because I do think just the game doesn't play well uh for lack of a better phrase like it's fine but it's also like kind of a big ask to enjoy the parts of it that are really good and i know like oblivion combat it just works for me a little better because i think that fallout 3 and new vegas are so reliant on the vat system that when you don't have vats you're kind of like helpless and then it really shows like how bad the controls are when yeah. you like try to aim and you know it just doesn't work so there's all the there's all the randomness in terms of like where your shots are gonna land and things like that too you know if, if you're not using vats as well so like there there is the percentage chance of hitting where you're aiming in vats but then there's also that same percentage chance when you're not using vats but that's not forecasted to you at all so you're just like aiming down the sights at what you think is a headshot on a thing but it'll just miss anyway uh, <laughs> which is hugely frustrating especially when you're being overrun by like 15 possibly sentient geckos and to be fair like morrowind's combat is like if you have below a 50 in a weapon that just means you miss 50 percent of the time (laughs) regardless of your actions so it's interesting for me to think about like what is it about elder scrolls that you and i really love and that many love what is it about fallout that people love and if i had to boil it down very broadly speaking trying to like take a bird's eye view i think people play fallout for the dialogue and the role playing and people play Elder Scrolls for the world yeah. and for the setting. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. And especially you, but I think both of us are drawn to games and RPGs that are kind of setting first in some ways. So I think that's probably why it works better for you than Fallout does. Yeah, you're probably right. I never really care that much usually about the character I'm rolling in an Elder Scrolls game, like to be totally honest. Yeah. I find that as with most people, I always end up veering towards like Sneak Archer anyway with most stuff. <laughs> um, but the couple times that I have, usually inspired by you, because I know you like to do that. And I do, yeah. The couple times I have gone into it saying like this this is going to be a very specific kind of character. I'm going to play it a very specific kind of way. The game is malleable enough to allow for that, which I am always I'm always appreciative of because I never really think of those games as being that malleable. But they give you all those options at the top. You know, Patrick Stewart does ask you what your star sign is. And you can be like, <laughs> I'm an Aries. <laughs> What would be the Aries equivalent of the Oblivion uh, star signs? You would know better than me. Yeah, I wonder, I would say somewhere between the Steed or the Warrior, uh, if we're going for the classic Mars energy. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 I was going to say the Warrior, but I didn't know if that was going to like offend you in some way. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I did. I wanted to keep it in. I kept it unlocked. I mean, 
you did make a custom class called Bonesaw, which you know, might actually be the true Ares. Yeah, class, I made an orc but, uh, uh, named Chester, uh, inspired by Chat, whose whole thing was that he picks up and sells bones until we realize that bones are extremely bones heavy have and no value. aren't yeah. worth anything. So I was over encumbered with pockets full of bones. <laughs> yeah, you exited the sewers with like a pelvic girdle and a skull. And you're like, anyone got the coin for these? Yeah. Uh, the answer was no, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> bones are worth nothing in Cyrodiil, which is honestly kind of unfair. Yeah. Because that's most of what you find <laughs> upon exiting the sewers. I just dropped them all on top of the body of Emperor Uriel Septim, the fourth. I, after watching your stream, I inevitably went back to Skyrim, actually. I, <laughs> I love that because I ended my stream at like 1.30 or 2 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize what I was doing until I was already halfway into Bleak Falls Barrow. But uh, <laughs> I did a little bit of the survival mode, which is kind of interesting. I think they added that somewhat recently because they added a lot of was it the 10th anniversary almost a 20th. It was the anniversary edition which actually uh weird news beat uh has leaked i think for the nintendo switch it's coming to nintendo switch soon it's supposed to be a, oh, a nintendo direct in like a week or something and apparently they're oh. announcing and releasing skyrim again <laughs> <laughs> very excited for that but yeah I, I tried to do survival mode for a bit which essentially requires you you can't fast travel you have to sleep Whoa. uh you'll be fatigued if you don't get enough sleep you have to eat and it also keeps track of how the weather is so it'll be like you know it's warm outside it kind of adds a little bit of like a breath of the wild survival aspect to skyrim that is interesting which i enjoyed but i eventually turned it off because i'm like i don't i don't really know if i want to fully commit to this i think it's an interesting mm -hmm. lens to try out the game and i think this is why skyrim is so malleable with both role-playing and also with mods and why the modding community has been alive for so long is that like there are a lot of pieces of Skyrim that are kind of unfinished or like kind of ask for more and there's a whole like cooking and food thing in Skyrim that basically does nothing right like, you know <laughs> it's it's like kind of bizarre that you can actually invest in that and it has no inherent value so I do think giving food meaning does kind of add a little bit more immersive qualities to the game or like yeah you actually might have to like go to an inn and buy a room and like buy some food and like that sounds really mundane but it it is kind of nice to give that stuff meaning because i think at a certain point in skyrim you're such an overpowered unstoppable force that like the world starts to lose a little bit of meaning mm. like when you can just like show up in white run and fusroda the mayor out of the castle and just, <laughs> you know like <laughs> just sell everything to belathor yeah. and, and be a millionaire just trying to do a light fusroda just to like fix his <laughs> posture you know because he's so slouched in that chair yeah just a food fus yeah ow yeah. thank you Ooh. Oh, shit. Exactly oh, my back was killing me. <laughs> Need something? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really miraculous. Uh, we have a whole bonus about Skyrim, and I think it's an easy game to write off. I think that was kind of the thesis of that episode was like, when a game has been around for that long and it's as big as it is, it's easy to kind of be like, eh, it's not that good or whatever. And, you know, feel however you want about it. I, I think that there's plenty to critique about Skyrim. But I do think that it's really miraculous how fun it is to return to and how many kind of options there are, both like player initiated or like now within the game or with mods to like give a new run a different flavor. Yeah. And I also think something we talked a lot about on that bonus was that Skyrim still feels pretty unique amidst the open world genre. As much mm -hmm. as it's had a huge influence, like we talked about this a lot, like we still haven't seen a lot of 
open world games where you can really fully customize the character. And I, I think that's like Skyrim is like just loose enough with like the character creator and what you can do in the world that it has that sort of organic openness that a game like Ghost of Tsushima doesn't quite have where it's like right. you're an authored character and you have like a finite number of things to do. I also think that the bugginess and the weirdness of all Bethesda games does actually ironically make the worlds feel more alive because you truly never know what's going to happen. Like <laughs> when you're playing New Vegas, there were just two NPCs that were identical that were doing the same things and saying the same things. So like incredible. Yeah. In your playthrough, you just got shining twins in a, in a weird area of the, yeah. of the wasteland, which is great. I love that. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think the big thing for me with Skyrim, uh, this also goes back to the bonus but you know you're talking about writing it off it's like less of like a people write it off but people don't talk enough about how incredible that game is it's more just like that it's been around for that long but the reason a game sticks around for as long as it does is because it's like maybe one of the best games of all time you know like like to this day i really do think that is like one of the better games that people have made even with the bugs even with all that stuff like the fact that it can support you know obviously the mod community but even if the mod community didn't exist the fact that it can support the amount of gameplay styles and ideas that players can have and and is that open is so cool and you're totally right to bring up the character creator i I really am bummed out that there are so few games with character creators like i was thinking recently this has kind of been like a looming threat almost but i've been thinking recently (laughs) about playing uh red dead redemption 2 because it's like been on my backlog forever yeah and usually in the winter i'll like get into a really big open world game like that last year or two years ago was death stranding for me i could see red dead 2 being being the one for this year but that having been said like i already know that i'm going to go into that game being arthur morgan and the only thing i can really do is change my sideburns you know like (laughs) is that yeah that's not creating a character that's like asking myself how much i want to look like wolverine you know (laughs) Uh, i did forget you can like adjust your mustache and beard lengths differently i was just trying to grow the biggest (laughs) mustache possible in that game that yeah. was like my self-appointed quest. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like excited about that. And that's cool. And I, I, I actually do remember a lot of people when that game came out saying that kind of just speaking to how wonderful Skyrim is and its openness. But I remember a lot of people saying that Red Dead 2, for all of the incredible stuff going on in that open world, it also has like kind of a foot in the in the like uncharted playstation studios over the shoulder like third person narrative driven game realm as well where like it really wants to be this like authored story which means that you don't really have that much creative agency over what you're doing as a player in the game even though it's supposed to be like an open world rockstar thing so it's kind of like trying to have two cakes and eat both of them yeah absolutely i'm i'm really interested to check that game out um but it, it all just speaks to how fucking good skyrim is it's always <laughs> what it comes back to yeah i i'm excited to see more i, I feel like th- it's a standard for for western rpgs to have full agency over your character it's kind of why i'm excited for Baldur's gate 3 mm. but i think you know those games also require like a pretty intense understanding of of role playing and D, whereas skyrim is kind of built to just jump in and do whatever yeah. so you know there's a place for authored characters as well obviously and not saying that one is better than the other but i do think we, we have a lack of skyrim ish games ironically yeah for all the games um, that say they're inspired by skyrim they're missing the thing I care about the most, <laughs> which is making a weird or be a lizard. Bones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's a fun uh, indulgence for both of us. Do you want to take a quick break and come back and talk about a different video game that's not made by Bethesda? Yeah. Why don't we do that? I think we, we failed our quest for not bringing up Oblivion yet again. We, we have to go like do do a prayer, like a weird penance. <laughs> 
Forgive me, Akatosh. Rewind time. <laughs> the father of all dragons. The Aedra of time. All right, see you later. Goodbye. Welcome back. Hello. Now that we're we're steering clear of Chester, the orc uh, bone gatherer. <laughs> Have you heard the call of Dagon yet? Sorry, I don't stop. <laughs> I want to talk about a game myself. I've been playing on the Nintendo Switch. And by playing, I mean like I finished it about 10 minutes before we started recording, even though I just started playing it like two days ago. I really, I like devoured this game uh, in a way I wasn't expecting. It's called Strange Horticulture, which is a game that I think I heard about because it was on, I want to say Polygon's like best of 2022 video games list. Yeah, I believe it was. Because I, I, I checked that list and a few others to to add stuff to my backlog. So I've also picked this game up, but I haven't played much of it yet. So yeah. I'm excited to hear about it. It's a, it's a really interesting game. It's made by a really small team uh, and is specifically a game about like running a plant shop in what seems to be England. I mean, they use the word England in it, but it's definitely like a more fantasy realm version of England than real life. But <laughs> the whole idea is a little bit like Stardew Valley adjacent. Um, you just kind of inherit a plant shop and just need to start running it. Uh, and because of the like fantasy nature of the world, the plants all do like wild things. So like there's a plant that can open any lock. There's a plant that will uh, like block your mind out from evil spirits that are trying to like haunt you in the night. There are plants that just do like a bunch of wild, incredible things. Um, and your job essentially is to just like let customers come in tell you what kind of plant they want or what kind of like thing is ailing them. And then you need to find the solution to that. You need to like look amongst the plants that you have uh, in your in your shelves and just like find the thing that's right for them. And that can go a couple of different ways that can either be like they know exactly what plant you want. But because you have just inherited this plant shop, you actually don't know the names of all the plants that are on your shelves. So somebody's telling you, like, I need a, a sunset mount cap. And you're like, I don't know what that is. Thankfully, <laughs> they've given you a big book uh, that has like little kind of rudimentary drawings of all the plants that you can possibly have uh, with kind of descriptions of what's going on with them. So like, you know, what the plant does, what is their like genus and species name, like their Latin name and, you know, some some like interesting traits about it. Like, oh, it smells like blueberries or, oh, it smells like shit or like uh, <laughs> If you if you hold up like a like a fantasy spectrograph thing to it, you can see like, you know, glowing spores coming out of it that are invisible to the naked eye, things like that. So somebody tells you like, oh, I need a sunset mount cap. And then you need to just kind of like flip through your book, find the sunset mount cap, read the description, look amongst your plants and start to like inspect all of your plants until you find the one that you're looking for uh, and give it to them. And that like could have been a cool game just by itself like if that's all it yeah. was like that's actually it's it's really nice it's kind of like this i would say like macabre but also mundane energy that's like the reason i really wanted to bring it up is because i feel like it's an answer to a thing that you and i have said so many fucking times on this podcast which is like put me in a fantasy world and just let me do something super mundane uh yeah, that's like exactly yeah. what this is you know it's like fully fantasy world fully fantasy plants people come in and just ask you for weird shit they're like there's a thing that keeps screaming at midnight and you need to like find a plant that'll solve that <laughs> 
But uh, outside of that, there's also a couple meters that are constantly filling up on the left side of the screen. One of them is called the will to explore that will fill up as you continue to like help customers or if you water your plants every once in a while, like watering a certain plant will give you more of the will to explore. Or if it's raining, it'll fill up always because you just need to like get out of your shop. And like go somewhere where it's not raining, I guess. But that said, when you fill up the will to explore meter, you can open up this big map that is it has a big grid on it. And it's like a map of the surrounding area. And it's all these mountains and rivers and lakes and forests and, and like, you know, just weird kind of locations all over the place. And you can go visit all of the different towns and like castles and abbeys and rivers and forests that are on the map. But also you'll every once in a while be like delivered a letter or somebody will come in and say like, hey, I, I need a plant, but I, I don't know what it is, but I know where you can find it and I know a little bit about it. And they'll like give you kind of like a rough description of the thing that you're looking for. And then you'll need to figure out on the map another puzzle solving element, like where are you actually supposed to go based on the rough estimate that you were given? That's like, you know, something that'll be like eight miles east of a castle across a river through a mountain and at the edge of a forest and need to like find the castle that that could apply to hypothetically. Uh, And then, you know, go eight miles east across there, see if it crosses a river and a mountain and ends at the end of a forest and then go explore that area and see what's happening there. And it's like, oh, cool. There's like a raven pecking at a dead body and there's like a plant growing out of that dead body. And that's the one that I need. Things like that will happen often. And I have found that they happen so often that I actually don't even know I can't even solve all of them, which is actually really interesting because I've, I've now finished the game. There's apparently a bunch of endings based on the fact that I got ending number two is what it told me when I finished the game. <laughs> but I imagine if you can continue to solve all of these clues and riddles and find all of the plants of which I think there are like 70 to 80 somewhere in that vicinity uh, and like identify all of them before the game ends, I imagine you get a better ending. But some of the puzzles are like so obscure and so weird and so cool and interesting that I spent so much time just like staring at them uh in like my favorite way and i i find that they're not so abstract that like i need to google them usually um i needed to google one specifically because like i finished the game and i had no idea what this like i got like a clue card that just had an x on it and was like ripped at the bottom and i was like i have literally no idea what i was supposed to do with this (laughs) through the whole game and i just googled it and was like i i never would have thought of the answer but it was fucking brilliant yeah But that having been said, like they just give you a lot of them. And that means that you're constantly exploring, constantly like going and looking for cool plants, constantly trying to figure out what plant goes where. You're just like constantly solving puzzles uh, in, I think, just like a really beautiful way uh, in, in like a beautiful place, in a really interesting place. And atop all of this, this like great gameplay foundation they're also telling a story this game goes day by day you can only take in a certain amount of customers per day and at the end of every day you kind of go to sleep you rest you wake up and there's another day and there's a story that is progressing over time that uh, essentially involves a bunch of murders that might have been uh in relation to like a witch's coven that lives in the woods that there's like an investigator trying to solve but like the witch's coven is also like you know we don't know if this was actually us or not uh so you need to kind of you know figure out all of this stuff via selling plants to people which is kind of interesting uh and like a really a really cool like narrative constraint to set upon yourself but also there are pivotal story moments where you can give people 
one or the other kind of plant. So like if you decide that you start to align with a certain side of this mystery or if somebody comes in and they're like a real asshole to you or something, they continue to insult you, but they want this one specific plant that like will help ease their stomach or something. You can give them one that will make them even sicker, things like that. So throughout the course of the game, you're given those options, which is also really interesting. I I loved this game, like really, really, really loved it. And I actually am considering playing it a second time. I think it might be weird to play it a second time, though, because I at this point know so much about the plants inherently like what's so cool about it is as you i would highly recommend this if you pick this game up there's like a a a setting that will automatically tag the plants that you've already figured out the names of so you don't have to like go looking through your book and figure out what plant is what anymore but at this point i kind of just like know most of them like i know what a sunset mount cap looks like and like exactly where i would find it on the shelf because you can pick up the plants and move them around your shelves and i came up with this like really specific kind of like organization structure in my head in terms of like what goes where and that's really cool I mean it's really cool to have like that level of customization over my own like really small like desk space and shelf space but it's also just really cool that I I am feeling the pull to go back to this game that I've like figured out it's like a puzzle box I've already solved but I'm kind of curious to see what what would happen if I went back and tried to do it again it's a great game I really really liked it my one gripe with it that I I want to bring up because you brought this up actually because you started playing it before I did uh, we both got it on the switch this is definitely a game that was made for PC like from the ground up like was built to be played with a mouse and keyboard on a kind of bigger screen and in the port to the switch I think it's like playable, but it's definitely it definitely like is you moving a mouse cursor around and then like pressing A to like grab onto things as if you're like clicking a mouse and dragging things around. And that can get really that can get really frustrating, like kind of in the early hour, I would say, of the game. Eventually, you'll just kind of get over like if you go in knowing that that's going to be the case, you'll eventually just kind of figure it out and be fine with it. Because I, I find that the more of the game you play, the more you'll get sucked into the lore of the world and you'll get so interested and in invested in like figuring out exactly what's going on at this you know like the mouth of this river or figuring out exactly what's going on uh, in your own desk with all the letters you've accumulated and like spreading them all out on your desk and figuring out like okay how do these all piece together what is this trying to tell me etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, it becomes second nature but I, I do think there is a little bit of a hump to get over control wise right at the top but if you go into it knowing that I think and give it enough time that you know that kind of fades into the background it is like maybe be actually one of the best games of the year i like i really really do love it that's awesome yeah, yeah i'm really excited to play i just sort of like barely started it and then got pulled away for whatever reason but you definitely sold me on it because i like you said earlier i love this concept of game like sort of a low stakes position in a high fantasy world or or some type of you know fantasy setting where you're kind of given a mundane role within it i think the best execution of this it's not fantasy but it it's very much not fantasy (laughs) but papers please i think really showed how powerful of a story you can tell with like very simple mechanics you're essentially like working at the border of two fictional countries and you're given like rules of who can pass through the border and so the actual gameplay is just like looking at like what id you're given and the person who you're talking to and like what are the current requirements of the time and as you play the requirements get stricter and stricter and you know you're constantly put in this position where you have to choose like doing your job for the sake of like 
you know, you and your family or doing the right thing, which might be letting someone go through even though they don't have the right ID or the right requirements. Mm -hmm. That game is brilliant. It's definitely a game I never want to play again because it's so rough. Yeah. But I think about that game a lot in regards to this framing device of like, if you want to call them like desk job games or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like bartender games. Uh, Two other ones that I really love the premise of but didn't quite connect with were Valhalla and Coffee Talk. Yeah. I love the idea of being like a cyberpunk bartender and like talking to people and it has cool moments but I just found a lot of that game to be very off-putting. And Coffee Talk I enjoyed more but it just, it didn't quite click because I think sometimes in those types of games the mechanics of actually making the drinks are so simple that like the actual game side of things doesn't feel super interesting so then it really is just dialogue and then that puts a lot of pressure on the writing to be like it has to be like incredible to really grip you you know i think games like phoenix right and i imagine like strange horticulture know that we need to make the actual court case and the selling plans fun in addition to great writing and you know in that way the writing also becomes part of the game so this sounds like kind of the game we've always been dreaming of it it kind of is in that way that that was why i was so surprised when it really clicked with me was like oh yeah this is the thing that steven and i have been asking for for a really long time i will say just on the note of papers please that came out on android and ios recently uh so if you have oh cool you have a mobile phone and haven't played that game i would recommend it as steven and i have both said i i think neither of us will probably ever go back to it because it's like so harrowing but it's kind of one of those games that you should experience if you haven't yeah it's i think some games are meant to be experienced once yeah uh and that's one of them but that was by uh, a developer named lucas pope who went on to make another game called return of the obra din which honestly oh, right. strange horticulture reminds me a lot of in terms of the kinds of thinking you'll need to do to make it through that game um yeah. it's really it's really fascinating it's a, it's a really cool game and I, I i really love the puzzle solving element it's it's great it's a great game uh and i i I, I hope that you could check it out, dear listener. I'm excited to play it. I also think just quickly circling back to the Elder Scrolls, I'm sorry, but uh, something I love about games that let you role play is like, I think it's hard not to make the player character a chosen one because like, mm. you know, game objectives need to be like, oh, like you are going to beat the big bad and save the world. Right. Um, I do think Oblivion strikes a nice balance because you are in the main story, the sort of guide to the hero. Like you're not the dragonborn you're like the samwise to the dragonborn Mm -hmm. which i think is a brilliant choice but i think that there's a lot of power in telling fantasy stories where like the main character is not the most powerful one they are they are just living in the world and i think that applied to a game in some ways it can be even more immersive when you are not the sole determining factor of the fate of the universe but you have your own little domain and you see the effect that has on sort of everyday life around you which can feel just as big if it's done well yeah there's a lot of power in that that is extremely what is going on in strange horticulture there is like a larger than life story happening around you and you're kind of playing all sides of it and figuring out just like based on the information that you're given from each person when they come in and ask for plants, like you need to figure out whose side you're really on in that case. And there's a lot of like really cool, like puzzle solving dungeon crawly kind of stuff that happens towards the end, you know, based on what plants you found and, and things like that, which is really fun. It's great. It's really good. Also, I mean, I'm a little bit on a Lord of the Rings kick right now also just because the the Amazon oh, show yeah. came out and oh, I, that's right. Yeah. for some reason watched the Hobbit movies recently. Uh, <laughs> I put the first one on just while I was folding laundry the other day and then ended up watching the whole thing. I was like, well, we got to do the other two, I guess. You got to um, see what happens. And I'd, I'd never seen the third one. I'd also never read the book. So 
I was like, I guess I should find out what happens actually. But now that that's all done, like starting this game and just opening up and seeing this kind of like Middle Earth-esque map of of fantasy England was like really exactly what I needed, (laughs) I think, to just kind of continue this, this Tolkien high I'm on. Uh, which is great. And Oblivion as well. And Oblivion too, yeah. Which, like, honestly, I think I'm probably going to go back to as soon as we're done recording. I think I'll just keep playing Oblivion. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I'm really excited to play this game. I appreciate you uh, recommending it so strongly. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna implore you to do it. I know you're already going to do it, but I'm going to implore you to do it uh, for goatee consideration specifically oh, as we yeah. get towards Absolutely. the end of the year. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely... We both keep lists of, like, games we need to check out or, like, games we want to spend more time with before uh, the goatee episode, which is so surreal. It's, like, kind of around the corner. You know, I know it's only September, but, like, it's, like, in, we're nearing the planning phase, which is very surreal. Yeah, we were, uh, even just before recording, figuring out when we were going to record and if it was going to be before or after the release of dragon quest treasures on the nintendo switch <laughs> trying to figure out if that's going to be a contender yeah, or not. i don't want to give us one day to play that um yeah but we'll see maybe that's all we need you know who knows yeah it could be you know five minutes in this is it <laughs> cool why don't we take a break and uh move on to the next segment that sounds great see ya <laughs> goodbye Hey, we're back. Uh, Before we move on to the next thing, I just wanted to give a shout out uh, to Nicole Carpenter's review of Strange Horticulture and Polygon, which I think was the big impetus for me picking that game up in the first place. Uh, So that's in the show notes of this episode. I recommend reading it. Yeah, it's uh, a great review. Check it out. She also sold me on it. It's good. I think I think the title is Strange Horticulture is one of the best games of the year. And I, I actually I agree. I think, I think it's <laughs> point taken. Yeah. Anyway, enough about plants. Everyone yelled. I want to hear about the PlayStation 2. <laughs> I'm sick of trees. I'm sick of weeds. I want the <laughs> PS2, baby. Ew. I don't know who that was. Uh, I have been playing a PS2 game. That's right. But I've been playing it on the Switch. This is one oh. that I kind of wanted to save for Halloween spooky season. Oh. But... I was tempted after some encouragement from some people who listen to the show, and uh, I have downloaded and played Devil May Cry 3, Ooh. Dante's Awakening Special Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Wow. This is a series that I've wanted to get into for a long time. I also have 5, which like people really liked. That was in like, 2019. I've been meaning to play that for actual years. <laughs> I've never gotten around <laughs> Me too. to it. Yeah. This this whole series has been like in the realm of things I'm like always maybe about to play and never do. I've never yeah, played any of them. I I played the first one at like a friend's house. Might as well have been a dream. Like so long ago, I don't really remember much about it. Yeah. These are Capcom? Capcom, yeah. Yeah. So actually, interestingly enough, this series began as a Resident Evil game, but then like <laughs> well into development, they're like, this is not Resident Evil anymore. We yeah. have to make okay. this a new a new IP. But you can definitely see the the shared aesthetic, especially with the music. I, I'm pretty sure one of the games has the same like safe room music as in Resident Evil 4, I believe. Oh, that's fun. But anyway, the series began on the PS2. Um, Devil May Cry 1, I think, is still pretty well regarded. 2 was sort of like where they they tried to change a lot of it and it didn't quite work. And then 3 was like almost kind of like a Link's Awakening, you know, flag in the ground. Like, this is what the series is about. Mm. I think it's also one of the few Capcom series where there are only like five games. Because every other series, (laughs) there's like eight versions of a sequel. But uh, Devil May Cry 3 is 
sort of where I think the series found its voice and also kind of found like what it wants to do mechanically. Because what's interesting about this series is that essentially it's a what we now call a character action game. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this came out, the genre didn't really exist yet. Like there were games that were like kind of doing similar things, but Devil May Cry really did invent a whole genre that we still see now. Like you wouldn't have God of War without Devil May Cry. Bayonetta, I believe, is the same creator, which a lot of DNA there, which I'll get into. <laughs> Near Automata, stuff like that. Like the game plays like those games. And I really love this game. Hey. I didn't really know what to expect. Like this is a series that I've wanted to play for a long time, but I wasn't sure if like three was the one to start with. Like like should I start with one for narrative reasons? Should I just play five because it's the most recent and will probably play the best? Hmm. Three <laughs> three begins in a way that like had my jaw on the floor i i highly recommend even if you have no interest in this game watch how this game begins because it's one of the best like let's set the tone scenes i've ever watched but basically there's this dusty gross room on the desk is a phone and an open box of pizza the phone starts ringing uh-huh. in walks dante topless wet hair sees the phones ringing sighs stomps on the floor so everything just like flies in the air sits on the chair things land and then he crosses his legs so hard that the phone like casually leaps in the air and he catches it he catches it of course he does yeah great it basically says talk to me like into the phone (laughs) (laughs) and starts to eat the pizza the room is quickly filled with demons who want to kill him he's like stabbed several times by demons it does nothing to him he brushes them off he hits the jukebox and music starts playing and he starts dancing. Basically, the whole sequence is him trying to eat pizza while demons try to kill him. And he does like <laughs> he does cinematic action that would make the Matrix blush like he like will kick a pool table into the air and then shoot the the white ball. It's so stupid. It's like the dumbest thing I've ever watched, but it's so infectious. What I really love about this game is that Dante is very much like a cartoonish depiction of an edgelord character. There's one scene where he gets a rocket shot at him and he does a matrix dodge, then jumps on the rocket and starts surfing it while he yells woohoo. Um, <laughs> and I normally don't like this type of tone. Like I feel like you can already hear rings of Deadpool in the distance where like there's obviously a place for like self-awareness or like you know, goofy characters. But I think what makes Dante work for me is that the whole game is so serious otherwise. Like, it is just a game full of Resident Evil creepy demons and his evil brother Virgil just standing on a high tower looking down at the city. That's like the whole story (laughs) is that he has an evil brother who's looking down on the city and I guess he needs to go see him or something. Um, (laughs) But right after that scene, Dante says this is going to be one hell of a party and kicks the camera and then mission one begins and he starts that mission by doing similar kind of flaunts but then he just like sneezes lightly before you get control (laughs) 
it's just like I like that it's the kind of camp where sometimes you can't quite tell if it's like for real or not right but I do think there's enough here that they're like they're clearly having fun with Dante and he truly is like as a character a box of pizza and a room full of demons um <laughs> so I like I like the tone I like how campy and silly it is yeah it's definitely not for everyone but I I just find it so astonishing and and funny that I'm enjoying it on a mechanical level. It plays really well. Still. It's a little bit like, I think when you play these types of action games on PS2, there's sort of a rigidness to them. Hmm. They can feel a little bit like stiff. Um, and the game does have that. And also the way they tutorialize moves and like how you like gain new abilities. Like the UI is like kind of a mess. And it's not really clear what new moves do or how to do them. But as you just sort of experiment and as the game incurs, you to focus on because basically the whole series is about trying to pull off combos and rewarding the player for variety over doing the same thing over and over again so i believe you'll actually do less damage if you spam the same move over and over again it's about trying to be as stylish as possible and pretty quickly dante can do things like launch enemies in the air like knock them on the ground and then jump on top of them and like surf on them while firing his pistols so like it's just it's very it's very similar to god of war in the sense that like it is going for sort of spectacle but it's doing so in like the silliest way possible which yeah. i appreciate especially for this time where like everything was so kind of like toxically masculine or like hyper violent or whatever i like that this game is like kind of just having fun with that in a way that is not quite as off-putting and i think just mechanically it's a lot of fun it's very arcadey i'm really excited to see how five plays now that i know sort of the foundation of the series mechanically yeah i also feel like this is kind of building up to the release of bayonetta 3 later in yeah. the year as well where i i think you'll probably go into that game with a lot more uh, a lot more like nuance and enjoyment or at least like an understanding of what you're going to get in advance having played these games because if i recall correctly a lot of the team that made things like resident evil 4 which i think also kind of has a little bit of devil may cry energy and a lot of the stuff that leon is doing oh, yeah. in that game yeah um, i feel like leon is like a few bad days away from just becoming Dante. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, totally. The way they behave and the way they act. Yeah, yeah like if Resident Evil 4 didn't go too well, Devil May Cry would be the sequel. <laughs> talk to me yeah, yeah. Um, exactly anyway like a, a lot of the team that made games like devil may cry and resident evil 4 ended up leaving capcom and going and founding platinum games and making things like bayonetta so it does feel like there is kind of a, li a lineage there totally so that'll be cool and also you haven't played the bayonetta games either right i played the first one also at a friend's house also a long time ago so like <laughs> very similar actually yeah. to devil may cry and the beginning of bayonetta 1 is actually very similar in in a way to the beginning of devil may cry 3 where they're just a cell phone same exact yeah. scene it's just a cell phone instead of a, a, a <laughs> landline well no i mean it's basically just like the opening of bayonetta is truly absurd because she's essentially dressed as a nun with a very like danny devito character and they're like burying a guy and she's like mumbling a prayer <laughs> then a bunch of angels show up and then she reveals you know her true self and is fighting all these angels over um, Fly Me to the Moon, like the remix of oh, that song. Oh, hell yeah. I remember there's a, there's a scene where she's just fighting all these angels going, guns, guns, 
guns and her friend is just throwing her like as she's emptying all of them he's throwing her various guns from this empty coffin oh my it's god it's so stupid but both games i think just have a lot of like i like i do like that campiness like i like that the games yeah. are are confident enough in the tone they want to do that they're like we're gonna really establish that from the very beginning so you're just gonna have fun the rest of the time mm. you know like dante calling the game a party is corny but it's also true like the whole game is about having as much fun as possible in like the most dour horror setting you can imagine it's not a horror game but there are like creepy enemies and i i like that there's a protagonist in that type of game that is like just there to be as silly as possible mm. and that's why people love the the series so much is like and it, it seems like five really dials up the camp which i'm like curious to see how that works <laughs> i kind of like the question mark of like did they think this is cool is it cool do i love this of three yeah. whereas five i think it's more obviously campy which like could be cool too we'll see i think you said this already but was that one well received yeah it seems like one and three are you know that's like the classic games to play two is kind of the weird one then there was four which i think was just sort of the continuation of that style then they tried to reboot the series and redesign dante oh yeah uh, and people like apparently the game was okay but people hated that new direction yes, for the series I remember that. and then i think I think the next game after that was Devil May Cry 5, which was like basically just a sequel to 4. So they're like, we're not going to continue that that mm. reboot we're gonna go back to the dante you know and love which yeah I if think i recall the from the reboot it it actually kind of like it loses that nuance of is this camp or not which yeah. is, i think is maybe the most important part of camp is that you don't know for sure exactly yeah and i i feel like that new one just be, tried to be like really edgy kind of hot topic and and like kind of lose the camp entirely and was like what if we took this seriously which you know it's a it's a recipe for disaster in that kind of game i think absolutely another thing that i love mechanically about this game is that essentially there are four styles of combat and in one mode you can just say like i'm going to choose like at the start of a mission which style i'm going to play in but then there's another mode called freestyle where you can actually just switch styles in the middle of a battle which mm. i would recommend because it reminds me of of yakuza actually where like here i was gonna say it sounds like yakuza yeah yeah i actually think you would like this game a lot i was watching the opening scene with the pizza and i was like brendan would love this i feel like because <laughs> i think it just i think you like camp and i think you um yeah. would appreciate what this game is trying to do on a mechanical level it is really hard that's like the one caveat is that mm. i don't know if this is exactly accurate but i remember reading that like what is considered hard mode and normal mode was different so like in japan i believe the hard mode is what the u.s normal mode is oh. or maybe vice versa either way i'm having a pretty rough time with it but i'm enjoying it enough <laughs> to kind of power through would recommend it's it's a lot of fun yeah this game endlessly on my backlog i feel like now though that you've kind of ripped the band-aid off i feel like i gotta check it out and then move into bayonetta one and two and finally experience those and see what that's all about and then get ready for three yeah it, it is cool to see sort of the history of like this series beginning as like an accidental spin-off of resident evil kind of and then becoming bayonetta where like camp is first and foremost you know mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. the fact that they're both like bayonetta is a witch who fights angels and dante is a demon who kills devils so like they're kind yeah. of two sides of the same coin which is fun wow crossover win i wonder if bayonetta 3 will be a big deal for us now that we're like slowly being onboarded into this yeah. type of genre yeah yeah now that we're being character action pilled are we gonna be <laughs> big bayonetta fans it is curious too to see like 
Because I think Resident Evil 4 was such a huge influence for what we now see as like the norm for a lot of PlayStation Studios stuff, like the third person over the shoulder look. Yeah. And it feels like when the idea of a 3D action game was kind of new, it seems like the two like split paths were Devil May Cry and Resident Evil 4. And it's interesting to see which games have kind of picked up the baton from there. Because like Mm -hmm. the games that have followed with Devil May Cry haven't really changed it that much. Like when you play Nier Automata, it play it's definitely like more fluid than Devil May Cry 3, but like the DNA is still there. You still have the ability to like shoot repeatedly to keep combos going. And then, you yeah. know, I, I think there's not a lot of incentive in Nier Automata unless you like want to be as stylish as possible. Like there's not really like a huge amount of need for variety. You can kind of just smash buttons. But in Devil May Cry, I like that they're like, we want you to like see all the tools you have. Because that mm. is something I, I found in God of War 2018. While I loved all the different abilities I unlocked, there was a certain point where I just stuck to a few because I felt a little overwhelmed by how many options I had. And I like the Devil May Cry as a series is like, see all of it. We made it all for a reason. Like, go <laughs> have fun. Do it all. Why not? Yeah. That's a cool design. I, I think I think it's a, it's a really cool series that I'm excited to play more of. Yeah, bring more to the show if you play five. I'm curious how you feel about it. I definitely will. I think I'll play that in October for sure. Cool. Maybe I'll play the weird bad ones too. Why not? Just live a little. Yeah, just do know? it. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. Just play them all. Yeah. E- eat everything on the plate. <laughs> eat the whole pizza. Eat the whole pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was like right in front, like a glowing orb right in front of me. I just needed to reach out and grab it. I'm glad you did. Yeah. It's uh, that pizza scene is maybe only rivaled by like the Shaun of the Dead, like queen dance moment in the bar. It's great. Oh, yeah. Do you want to take another break and come back and talk about a another uh, just another game a, a different video game <laughs> this time i would i would love to do that okay well uh, let's do it then it sounds great i love this plan this is a really good plan my favorite leon kennedy line from the original resident evil 4 is when he goes no thanks bro to uh <laughs> salazar it's great it's a good moment goodbye see ya shin megami tensei 4 i hear you've been playing steven hilger what's going on with that <laughs> Was that Mad Libs? Yeah. (laughs) I hear you've been playing a 3DS game. Recently. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Shemigami Tensei 4. So this is one that we, I had played to bring to the show a while ago, but for whatever reason it got benched. That happens every now and then. We'll sometimes uh, over prepare for an episode. And when we're choosing like the order of games we're going to talk about, some are like deposited for for future (laughs) use. Yeah. And this is one of them. But I mean, this is a game that I've been kind of playing on and off since I started it. Um, Mm. It is on the 3DS. It's another 3DS game for you. And I really like it. So I guess just to briefly explain my history with, with SMT, like many, I was sort of onboarded to the Shimigami Tensei universe via Persona 5 and then went on to play Persona 3 and 4. We've talked about those games quite a bit. Uh, we actually have a Patreon bonus all about 3, 4, and 5. And we also have just regular episodes and regular bonuses. It comes up a lot. I guarantee if you Airtable uh, Persona 5, it's probably at least 20 episodes. It just pops up every now and then. It sure does. Um, but anyway, I knew that it was 
technically the Persona series is technically a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei, which is a long running giant series of RPGs uh, that has a million different spinoffs that all share sort of this undercurrent of demons and and interacting with demons in turn-based battles to recruit them to fight for you. So in Persona, those are the personas. The main character can wield a variety of different personas to be like his sort of spiritual power. Everyone in Persona is powered by like their persona. You get it. Uh, but in Shin Megami Tensei, it's essentially like Pokemon if you fought alongside Pokemon. So like if you mm-hmm. were as a trainer leveling up alongside your team and you can fuse demons to make new ones, it's very cool. It's it's a, honestly a really great formula, which is why it's been going strong for decades. Yeah. So all I have to say, when I was initially just experienced with Persona, I wasn't quite sure if I would like SMT because my enjoyment of Persona was so narrative focused. Mm. The idea of sort of just getting the battles and also sort of the the hardcore reputation of the series i was like not sure if that was something that i would enjoy and then shimigami tensei 5 came out and i really loved it and that game is incredible and it really shows the power of atmosphere and of the mechanics of the battle system itself like shimigami tensei has a strong enough core mechanic that you can really just have that as a game and you really don't need anything else Mm. Um, I still prefer the persona approach, but I like the fact that like, oh, I actually learned more about the battles and about demon fusion from playing Shimegama Tensei 5 because that's all the game is about. And I really enjoyed that loop of like going to a new area, learning by sort of trial and error, but also just experiencing like what demons are here, how do they fight, what demons do I need, mm. level up, fuse new ones. Like you're always kind of being encouraged to to gain new powers and abilities. And there's a lot of really great payoff because a lot of times you'll win against a boss in Shimegama Tensei 5 because you have the right idea of what team to make and how to play versus I need to be level 50. You know, like it's not quite as grindy as you would expect. Like it's a lot of, there is a lot of grinding, but it doesn't feel like you're just arbitrarily waiting to be the right level. You do have to engage with the system and understand it to win, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm. So since then, I've gone on to play a lot of different SMT games. I've I played the two Devil Survivor games for the DS episode. I've played Strange Journey, uh, and I enjoyed those. Not quite on the same level as 5, but I, I thought they were pretty cool. But Shin Megami Tensei 4 was sort of looming in the distance because <laughs> always lingering up yes. until five that was like that was the sort of de facto place to start very much like a dragon quest 8 to 11 scenario where like 11 is now the clear place to start but for a long mm. time eight was so should we go ahead say four takes place essentially you are a young man in this sort of medieval setting where every now and then a group of people are selected to be samurai uh, and there's this whole ritual of who is worthy to be a samurai uh, and you're with a friend who's like really pumped to see if he's worthy and of course he's not and maybe he'll become a villain i don't know but you are worthy because you are the main character and once you become a samurai you're essentially like you entered this world of like i think there are like four other characters who are also samurai and you're all given this gauntlet that has sort of out of place high tech yeah. powers it's the pit boy it's <laughs> you're given a pit boy basically yeah. that has a Siri AI named Burroughs who gives you various abilities. One, you can save 
through Burroughs, which is pretty cool. Which I like that there's like a like you were actually saving through a thing you were given. That's very interesting. But anyway, all that aside, SMT games tend to have a pretty light plot. There's a recurring theme of choosing an alignment, kind of like out of D&D. So there's usually a lawful path or a chaotic path. And depending mm. on which path you choose, you can recruit different demons more easily. So there are also clearly characters you meet that represent those paths. So after becoming a samurai, you meet two other samurai. Um, one is like, hello, I love rules and I love showing up on time. <laughs> and the other one is like, I love breaking the rules. Hell yeah, dude. So... <laughs> Okay, I get it. And like that's all fine. Like I think the the world of this game is very interesting. It's not very strong on character or dialogue, but I do think that there are some concepts floating around that are really interesting and it's a really gripping setting because it's like okay, this is clearly set in a certain time, but then we're given this technology that is clearly from somewhere else and it's mm-hmm. being kind of guarded by this ritual. Like what is going on here? And then basically the loop of the game is like, once you have become a samurai, you can explore different shops in that sort of area. You can talk to certain characters, but mostly you're going to this labyrinth where the demons are and you go and fight demons and do the same SMT stuff. You can train, you can recruit them, you can fuse demons to make new ones. But what makes this game really stand out to me is that there's this beautiful, like, presentation for the actual dungeon yeah that's something that i i've struggled with in other atlas games like i like the presentation of the maze in etrian odyssey but i don't really love just like navigating it and sort of the trial and error aspect of it that's just a subjective thing i know some people love that style of dungeon crawling it doesn't really work for me but this i think is much more it's working for me on a subjective level much better because I just, I like exploring it from the third person, like actually navigating it physically and, and seeing, you know, like, oh, every now and then there'll be like an event where there's characters you can talk to. And also sometimes you'll have to like crawl under space or like, you know, it truly is like a 3D space that almost feels like a little Zelda dungeon at times. Yeah. I should mention that I also played a bunch of this game. Yeah. At, at, at one point, a couple weeks ago, I guess. The thing that really was shocking to me was like, it really is fully 3D, absolutely gorgeous, looks like it should have been released on the Switch, honestly. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty remarkable how good it looks. I, I'm playing on the, the like regular, sized new 3ds not the not the xl and maybe it's just like the pixel density of the smaller top screen or something but it's like shockingly high fidelity uh for a 3ds game it's it's really amazing it's also one of the few games uh as we always mention so maybe it's not a few games because we bring it up a lot but it's one of the few (laughs) games i can think of that has just like incredible use of the 3d screen it Um, does what they do is the the burrows ai uh will overlay a bunch of things onto the world in front of you and kind of give you like a HUD, you know, as you would have in every other video game. But that HUD element is removed via the 3D from the rest of the world. So as you're moving through the world, there will be, you know, kind of like outlines and shapes and things that are kind of like hovering off of walls and the floor and stuff like that that look just like stunning in 3D because also they're like bright and neon in comparison to the like, you know, torch lit halls and caverns that you're making your way through just like just stunning visually this whole game i was i was really really blown away by the presentation of the whole thing yeah it's really cool and it it also it it, it's doing what i liked about smt5 where it's really just a really 
refined gameplay loop in a really interesting and and infectious atmosphere um like smt5 has this sort of dystopian open city you can run around and stuff and i really like that aesthetically but it did sometimes feel a little bit like i didn't love having to find secret things because like navigating around the area wasn't always as enjoyable as it could have been like mm. running was very fun the like naruto run of the character and seeing their hair like flow in the wind but like uh-huh. having to jump around buildings or finding the right way like it was like it's it's not quite there having this just sort of dungeon to explore and the risk reward of like how deep do i want to go when do i want to actually physically go back up and slowly but surely making progress i really like that focus of this game and it also proves to me that well i definitely enjoy rpgs more for narrative reasons There's definitely a big place in my life for a game that is kind of like a podcast game or like something to play where I'm slowly chipping away because it's a game that's pretty difficult. Like I think SMT5 is a much better starting point than this one. This one really just throws you in and it's, it's pretty unforgiving at first. Although I do love the reveal when you die for the first time, you like end up in the underworld. And you meet uh, Charon, the ferryman, who's Charon's like in every game for some reason. <laughs> but he's essentially like, I'm so busy that like the idea of having another soul like in in the backlog here to ferry to the afterlife is is daunting. Like, how about I just revive you instantly and you'll just owe me some money? <laughs> like, I just love that dynamic and it adds again this sort of risk reward of like okay how far into the dungeon do i want to go what am i focusing on do i just want to level up do i want to find certain items do i want to fuse certain demons Mm -hmm. oh no i died do i want to just accept fate and restart or do i want to be brought back but at the cost of a lot of maka um which is the currency of the game so i like that that has that sort of that buffer there also, what's great is that you can save at any time, which is honestly so helpful. Yeah, so it's, it's not really good. I think something about the earlier Etrian Odyssey games and even even some Persona games, Persona 3 especially, is like having to redo things because you died and you hadn't saved in like two hours. Like it can sometimes work as like a it, it adds sort of an intensity and danger to the dungeons. But at a certain point, it becomes tedious. It's like, OK, this is actually negatively affecting me. <laughs> it's not just my character. Like you've thrown off my day yeah. because I couldn't save after this 20 minute cutscene before I fight the hanged arcana. Um, yeah so oh my god that was like when i was playing new vegas yesterday and i died after like 30 minutes (laughs) of trying to do a quest like an idiot because i hadn't saved even though chat was telling me to save often it's like you gotta have some level of autosave man at all yeah just a little bit i'm really curious to see um how this game develops i know that people think very highly of smt4 though this is like the one for a lot of people this is the one and also there's another as with any atlas game there's always like a encore of the game but there's another smt4 called apocalypse that seems to be the one that people really love too so but it also seems to require a certain amount of smt4 played so Mm. my move might be like play enough of smt4 to feel like i kind of got it and then move on to apocalypse and see how i like that comparatively But these games are great. I would say it's like right up there with five. I I think that, you know, they're doing similar things. I think that five story started to get in the way at a certain point. I I actually liked just how it began and being left in this 
really interesting and scary world and and this sort of like back and forth of going back to the main story and the characters it was okay i think four strikes a nicer balance so far at least of like the characters are there more as ideas than as as people you're engaging with which like i think for a persona fan could be disappointing if you're not like prepared for that but for what this game is doing well like i don't i don't need that also I can actually just exist like as this dungeon crawler and as this loop of making progress and chipping away at this world. And also there's enough mystery that that's sort of why I'm there for narrative reasons. Yeah. Even, even just the, the reveal of the pip boy by yeah. itself is like <laughs> right. enough of a driving force, at least for me to have played a couple hours, even though I, I ended up not liking it as much of you, as you did. So I, I kind of bounced from it, but I, I was, I was really blown away by a lot of the setup of the game. And once I got into the loop, I was like, Oh yeah, Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. I, yeah. This, <laughs> this is maybe not for me, unfortunately, but uh, it's weird. It's so weird. I mean, we talked about this on the Shin Megami Tensei 5 episode, a game that I really enjoyed, to be clear, until I eventually put it down also. But I, it just like makes me question my own, I, I guess, like values when it comes to the things I care about in games, because I, I so frequently think of myself as kind of like a more mechanics focused person, you know, in this game that is saying like, we're going to actually put narrative on the back burner. It's just themes, you know, like characters, as you were saying earlier, they just represent themes. All you really have to go on is just like what's going on mechanically and just like experiencing and enjoying the combat. That seems like it should be for me. And then Shin Megami Tensei and like I end up bumping up against it and it makes me question that whole thing. Like it might just be Shin Megami Tensei, like at the end of the day. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like Persona, even though it is more narrative focused, obviously, I, I think that that is maybe a better lens through which for me to experience smt combat than actual smt at times uh persona has that that other half of the game that complements the battle so well you know so and that ends up like you end up learning it because you want to see more of the other part of the game too yeah it's interesting like they both work for a lot of people persona will be the way to experience this Mm -hmm. because i also think for persona progression doesn't demand a very deep understanding like in persona 5 you can kind of like i didn't really fully understand the mechanics until i was maybe done with the game and i had been (laughs) able to finish it whereas in smt4 like you really can't get past a certain point until you understand a certain number of things which like one isn't better than the other obviously one is more approachable but i think for what the game is doing and the focus on mechanics it, it makes sense that it would be a little bit more unforgiving yeah, it's totally dependent on what you care most about, you know, and honestly, yeah. at the end of the day, it really just comes down to like, try both and see what sticks with you. And the answer might be both, you know, like in your case, the answer is both. You just like both of them. And I like know, both of them. It's a it's a fallout Elder Scrolls situation all over again. <laughs> it is weirdly kind of similar. There's a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff happening in SMT often. It's true. It's a good point. Yeah. And you also get a pit boy. So maybe we're onto something here. Oh, my God. <laughs> What have we uncovered? Wait a second. <laughs> Persona 5 is the oblivion of 2017. You know? Well, well. Now. Hello, Joker. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all I got for now. I, I imagine this might come up again uh, if we reach our goal and do our 3DS episode. You know, I'm not to say if it makes the list or not, but I will definitely at least play enough to then eventually switch to Apocalypse and bring that to the show in some capacity. Mm. Cool. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah. that. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. I've I've also been silently, secretly playing 3DS games in the background. <laughs> Secrets. Sauron regaining his power. I can't stop thinking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'm yeah. like so I don't know why I'm so in on it. Like I had my whole life to get in on Lord of the Rings. Why is Jeff Bezos presents Lord of the Rings the, the thing that's pulling me in in this way, turning it into a weird fantasy fixation? I think it's also this time of year, the summer turning into fall is definitely like Lord of the Rings time. Oh wow, yeah, I totally agree with you yeah yeah windows open i started watching them again like last like spring and i was this is not the right time Mm. to watch yeah you can watch the shire sequences and then that's it really you gotta (laughs) you gotta kind of bail after that yeah even then that the shire sequence is big ren fair energy and that's that's (laughs) that is that is yeah supremely fall yeah 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 fall (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh i guess we should wrap up right no i have more games Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was selfish of me. Well, that's all I have. I'm going to get going. <laughs> you can leave if you want. I'll just monologue uh, <laughs> the last stuff, I guess. Hold the skull. Yeah. Uh, I have I have two games I want to talk about very, very quickly. Uh, number one was just a game that was recommended in the Discord recently. Uh, as a reminder, we have a Discord. You can go into the cast online and find our links to everything. But one of those things is a link to join the Discord. Uh, and we have a, a lot of active channels in there, one of them being the mobile games channel. And uh, somebody brought up the game Exo Miner, which uh, was directed at me directly because I am a person who has mentioned many times on the show that I really like kind of like idle incremental games. Um, yeah. And I will say as a person who likes those games, uh, they are frequently horrifying nightmare cash grabs. I, I remember <laughs> talking to you uh, maybe months ago, maybe a year or two ago. I honestly don't remember, like just with yeah, the flow of time. time but there was yeah. there was one uh, that was based around the office, and it was like these like nightmarish kind of like cartoon depictions of everyone in the office, and it was like you unlocked the <laughs> rare Stanley. It was like horrible. It was like loot boxes. To, I do like, vaguely remember that. That sounds up, awful. Upgrade your Dwight. Like it was so fucked up oh that's like um simpsons tapped out kind of yeah no very much like that yeah totally yeah there's a whole realm of there's like an always sunny in philadelphia one of them there's a crazy taxi one that they made at one point which was really that one is actually not bad but it also like horribly horrifically monetized as all of those things are but upgrade your dwight is gonna stick with me i'm sorry (laughs) that phrase is very haunting yeah (laughs) well there's the title there every (laughs) once in a while is one that like even with you know just because of the way mobile games are like there's always going to be some level of monetization especially with these kinds of games uh but every once in a while there's one of them that like works for me even despite that i feel like some good examples were like eggs inc is a really 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 good one that's like really pretty has like a lot of really kind of like surprising and interesting mechanics involved would highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out but i feel like i've kind of just been waiting for like the next one that kind of just is on that level uh i feel like eggs inc has been around for like maybe almost a decade i might be wrong about that but it feels like it's been out for a really long time and feels like it should have been this kind of inflection point for like yes there are different kinds of games that you can make in this format you know a lot of them just end up being like what if your tower was bigger and brought in more money you know like trying to just be like you know roller coaster tycoon but just monetized instead of like actually letting you build a theme park things like that and 
eggs eggs inc i don't want to actually like give away like what's cool about it i think you should just check it out but it really felt like the beginning of something new and and there have been so few games that i brought to the show that actually kind of hit that mark for me one of them was space plan which i loved and i've talked about multiple times on the show yeah which is a, a game that's like completable in like a week or two so you know it's an idle game so it's like playing itself in the background a lot but generally speaking it is like trying to tell a story like it's a narrative driven idle at clicker game that i think is like really 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 well done universal paperclips is one i've also brought to the show a lot by frank lance which i think is like absolutely fucking brilliant that's another one i don't want to say anything about just like go check it out and play it but exo minor not trying to tell a story to be clear is just really pretty a lot of like resource and like kind of just like idle management stuff that i really appreciate i don't really have a lot to say about there's a lot of preamble for it i just think it's really like good and well done i think it sounds really nice and looks really nice and i've been playing it a lot this week uh so that's just a shout out to exo minor oh yeah which i think is pretty cool uh the other game i want to talk about briefly is a game that is like just so fucking poorly timed to bring it to the show but here it is anyway it's called Splitgate. the reason that it's poorly timed is because <laughs> the developers uh 1047 games have announced that they are ending support for Splitgate soon even though it has just left beta Splitgate got really popular like semi recently within the last like year i'd say it's essentially a blending of like halo style first person shooter combat and the portals from portal uh so you're running around you know left trigger to look look down the sights right trigger to shoot uh but l1 and r1 or the left bumper and right bumper let you shoot two portals that let you travel around the map and kind of do whatever you want you know jump down behind an enemy or you know launch yourself do the like physics kind of fling thing like you're doing in portal to fling yourself across the map things like that all of that is possible in Splitgate, and it was out for like years and years in beta and was not like super popular until some streamers kind of picked it up as as is you know the way for a lot of like small indie games like this eventually some streamers just kind of like pushed it into popularity and now it's a much bigger game than that and essentially what happened was the developers of the game uh released a statement this week that said uh we could not be here without your support we pride ourselves on trying to be as community focused as possible we strive to improve our game and build a better future for splitgate because of the enthusiasm of our fans thank you uh and then they go on to say after careful consideration and much deliberation, the 1047 games team has determined that in order to build the game fans deserve and to build it in a way that isn't trying to retrofit and live operate an existing product, we are ending future development of Splitgate. We're turning our attention away from iterative smaller updates and going all in to focus on a new game in the Splitgate universe, which will present revolutionary, not evolutionary changes to our game. It will be a shooter. It will have portals and it will be built in Unreal Engine 5 and it will be free. This is a see you soon and not a farewell from the 1047 games team. And this is the kind of announcement that usually I would like see posted and like hit the news. And then I would just see like a bunch of like really angry people in the comments. But everyone is so fucking (laughs) stoked about this. I think because this team has been so community focused and has been so kind of vocal about all the changes they're making and why they're making them and things like that. But generally speaking, like I because of this announcement, I was like, I kind of got to know what this game is about because I've just been hearing about it so much for the past couple months. And you know me, I just I feel the need to check out the things when they get that popular so i checked out splitgate and had a blast with it it is so fun i streamed a little bit of it yesterday actually yeah it's a really 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 like tightly made game i think the big thing for me is that it has like kind of like no sense of artistic direction of its own like it really does feel like a blending of a bunch of things it kind of has like a Fortnite thing going on it kind of has a halo thing going on kind of destiny all of the guns are just named exactly what they're named in halo which is really funny (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that. There's a lot of stuff going on that feels a little bit like a game that you and I would maybe clown on because it like is just pulling directly from two sources and is kind of like a derivation of both of them. But that said, like, it's really fun. Like at the end of the day, it's a really fun game. And I'm hoping that it's kind of like, what's the team name? Psionics going from super awesome rocket powered battle cars or whatever it was called. And then going on to make Rocket League. That's yeah. what I'm really hoping for with Splitgate, where like they take a look at the thing that they made, say what's cool about this. And now that they have like investment from outside capital firms and like kind of this big player base, it's like excited about what's coming next. I'm really hoping that they kind of double down and like forge their own identity because the comp like the combat and the mechanics are all there. Like they really have a hit on their hands. I think it's just about like drilling down on what makes this universe if they want it to be universe unique as opposed to the things that it's pulling directly from so i'm excited i'm excited about whatever's coming next for now you can just play splitgate it's just free on all platforms which is cool but uh it's it's a really it's a really fascinating thing and i'm excited to see what this team comes up with in the future what you've said reminds me a lot of how we felt about remnant from the ashes where oh, yeah. it's a game that's like like visibly sort of frankensteined parts where it's like okay mm. remnant is elevator pitch dark souls with guns so it's it's like you're rolling out of the way. Every boss is named like the forgotten butcher or something. <laughs> yeah, and right. uh, it's very hard, but it was built with a co-op focus. It also has this like wild twist where like, honestly, this is kind of a selling point. Remnant begins in a very sort of like fallout ish worlds where there are these like tree demons everywhere Mm -hmm. and it feels kind of stale honestly it feels like okay like this feels a little soulless and then you end up in pan's labyrinth at one point like this totally weird forest i think we even compared it to kingdom hearts in the sense that like you go to these different worlds and they're all like weirdly connected and they're all wildly different yeah it's really fascinating and and we really liked it but it, it also had this thing of like okay you've put these pieces together that no one has put together before and that's really working but like what is sort of the heart of the game like what is the mm-hmm. thing that like you're focusing on and it sounds like this in this case it's like okay these these two distinct elements of like portal and halo multiplayer like are actually a great combination but what's sort of the binding element that will make it not feel like a ripoff for lack right. of a better phrase yeah you know and that's kind of what we wanted from remnant as well because into that game like the co-op focus was really the, the thing that pulled us through like playing that together and just seeing how wild it was was like a lot of fun and some of the guns were really clever like i remember i had like a pistol like a hand cannon that shot off like a bunch of different explosives like there were some really unique powers in that game so like it's another yeah. case where there's all the all the right pieces are there. It just needs kind of a creative direction for it to to bind it together. Yeah, yeah. It it does. It felt like it's not this, and I I usually hate this term, but it felt a little bit like asset flippy, where it's like, oh, they just went to like yeah. the Unreal Store and like downloaded a bunch of stuff, and they were like, well, we know the we know the gameplay behind this, and then just like ended up making a bunch of like really disparate worlds and tried to link them with a story, which like didn't make a whole lot of sense, but was honestly fun as hell to make it through, as as you were saying, like that. Game Game was exhilarating and they also similarly had a bunch of dlc planned for that game and then canceled it because they were like this game got so big that we just need to make a sequel and like figure out what it is so we're just kind of like waiting for whatever that is and i will be the first to download remnant from the ashes 2 or whatever they end up calling it uh just yeah, based too. on how much fun you and i had i mean we streamed like most of that game together which <laughs> I, th- I think it's says a, a lot because you know for you and i to stream a game together it's usually pretty difficult like to line yeah. up timing and a bunch of things but we were like devoted to like showing the world that whole game uh which was really cool that's all on youtube i think that's like maybe one of the earliest things we put
put on our YouTube if I were to guess. But it was so fun. Uh, and and Splitgate, honestly, also really fun. Like, I really I'm, am excited about whatever's coming next from that team. I, I don't know how much more of it I'm going to play, just kind of knowing that it's going to, like, end soon. Yeah. But if you haven't checked it out at this point, I would recommend downloading it. Again, it's free. Hopping into, like, the tutorial and a couple matches and just seeing how you feel about it. And then uh, staying tuned for whatever comes next. I will say <laughs> one, of the, one of the funnier things I, that happened while I was playing, I just forgot about this. This is like a feature of the PS5. The PS5 DualSense controller has a microphone built into it. And because I don't play a lot of like competitive or online shooters on PlayStation, that's like it really is my like kind of like narrative driven uh, single player machine for the most part. Like I'm not playing a lot of multiplayer stuff. I like yeah. totally forgot that the microphone was built into the controller. And in Splitgate, it just automatically is enabled and like has you speaking in the lobbies uh, and like whoever is talking to you on your team also comes out of the controller. And I played a whole match of Splitgate before I realized like towards the end of the match, I before I realized that like in the bottom left corner, it said that I was speaking. And the reason I was speaking is because I was like blasting a podcast out of my phone. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like I'll, I'll give a shout out to our friends over at App Stories, uh, Federico and John. But I was listening to their most recent episode of App Stories just about like all the things wrong with the Apple Music app. Uh, <laughs> just like blasting it through the controller to everyone I was playing Splitgate with. And to their credit, nobody nobody got mad at me. Nobody was like shut the fuck up or anything you know like nobody was like yelling at me uh so i guess they agreed that the the apple music app needs some work <laughs> i do not miss having to chat with random people in yeah. a multiplayer game the only time i ever did that was overwatch and i i didn't talk i would just listen because at a certain point you do need to communicate as a team yeah but my god it was like what a roll of the dice yeah I, there were often matches where someone would be like hey you all seem kind of normal do you want to just like be a team for the next few hours and like we don't have to roll the dice again yeah <laughs> that was kind of nice but yeah, it was it, it got pretty rough um when that game was and it's height. Yeah, I feel like uh, in, in Overwatch, it's just like you hit a certain level, like in the in actual ranking where it's like things get difficult enough that you need to talk to people. That was one of the like biggest developments of multiplayer shooters online, I think, was was the Apex Legends like ping system that now every yeah. game has. Like, thank that God for respawn coming up with that idea because that was brilliant there are still games where you like need to speak you know like if you're playing like a raid in destiny 2 or something with randos like you'll probably want to be on voice chat because that stuff is so dependent on having a team that's like in lockstep with one another but that apex legends ping system like really goes a long way yeah thankfully the games i play online the most are fighting games which like i don't need to i don't need to talk to whoever i'm facing I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to, we don't need to psych each other out <laughs> play mind uh, games <laughs> yeah exactly leaves of three let it be as you do <laughs> yeah. like a combo and summon a bunch of dolphins i just read passages from the old man in the sea before uh <laughs> playing as may yeah just read all the plant descriptions from strange horticulture into the microphone <laughs> who's filibustering guilty gear get the fuck out of here um <laughs> well that sounds great i'm excited to see what they work on next it sounds like in both cases with remnant and uh splitgate what we're saying about like there needs to be a creative like bind 
That's probably why they're starting from scratch. It sounds like in both cases, yeah. it was like, okay, we have a really great prototype here. Let's like run with it, but like from the ground up. Yeah. So excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked about it. I, I'm interested to see. I mean, it's coming uh, via Unreal Engine 5, which means it'll probably launch on all the same platforms that it's on and maybe even more. I would hope to then see it on like Switch, which I think also can run Unreal Engine 5, if I'm not mistaken, which is cool. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, or maybe the next Switch, if that ends yeah. up ever existing. I'm firmly believing now that Nintendo will just never make a new system. That way I'll be surprised uh, pleasantly whatever happens. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they're not doing it just out of spite, like just because they're so angry <laughs> about the leaks and the rumors and stuff. They're like, they have it mass produced and waiting in a warehouse. They're like, uh, fucking burn it. I'm really excited at this potential September direct and it's going to be a big deal. You think I'm so? I'm sure we'll record something weird. I don't know. I just, I have a feeling because I think there's still a lot of question marks about is it a first party event or is it like a specific? They haven't announced it. We don't know anything about it. It might not even be real. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I shouldn't be as excited. Yeah. As <laughs> <laughs> take it, take it down a couple notches. The big rumors, the Wind Waker, Twilight Princess ports, which like yeah. honestly, that's kind of all I care about right now. Like, I'm very excited to see what Nintendo has like down the road, but mm-hmm. I don't really need anything else right now for this year. Like I'm pretty good, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I will probably if that is real, I will pick it up. I like Twilight Princess enough that I would play that game again. And Wind Waker, I have never gotten past the first temple, so I feel like obligated oh to to do that. Yeah, you, um, that's a good one. That is maybe happening in the week of september 12th uh so if that happens be very excited about that that'll be the week after this episode comes out (laughs) i am looking forward to it i'm looking forward to getting (laughs) skyrim a billionth time (laughs) and for the second time on the nintendo switch i guess (laughs) i wonder if they better have like an upgrade path if you have the other because i have the other one that they released like when the switch launched uh i would i would love if they were like you can give us like 20 bucks and just upgrade it to the anniversary edition the Nintendo Direct is just starting Skyrim again. Like you put the video on and you just end up playing Skyrim. Exactly. Oh, that was the oblivion music. Anyway, full circle. Full circle. Uh, should we wrap up now? Let me just look around, make sure there's no games hiding. <laughs> hiding behind you. <laughs> no. Uh, Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Honestly, I, I mentioned this to you in a phone call that we had earlier this week, but I uh, unfortunately, I feel like the the fortnight of it all has kind of been waning. I mean, unfortunately <laughs> for me, fortunate for you uh, and, and the dear listener, I guess, because they ended the Dragon Ball event. <laughs> and also, as summer comes to a close, I'm less inclined to play Fortnite. It's like really my summer game. Uh, so there's always next year. There's always next year for Fortnite. It did seem honestly pretty cool. To you're talking about how they were showing Dragon Ball Super episodes, like on the cruise ship that Beerus almost destroyed. Yeah, on on Bulma's uh, capsule corp yacht. Uh, you could just like <laughs> go watch episodes of Dragon Ball Super with people. They just had like a 24 seven marathon. It was sick. It was really fun. They still have all the stuff in that game. They still have like the Nimbus Cloud that you can like fly around the map. And like the Kamehameha that you can use against people, which is like absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Because especially because like it's it's Goku's voice actor screaming Kamehameha as loud as he possibly can. And it like rings out and echoes throughout like the entire <laughs> map whenever somebody does it. And it doesn't matter who you're playing as. It's always Goku's voice, you know. So like even if you're like that's awesome, like me and you're playing with the Captain America skin, it'll be Goku's voice. It's awesome. It's so fun. 
very silly. That's hilarious. Anyway, well, yeah, let's wrap note. up. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Into the cast that online is our hub for everything. Special thanks to our patrons. Like we said earlier, we're shooting for a two thousand dollar a month goal, and once we hit that, we will do a three DS special. Obviously, no pressure to back it if you can't, but if you do, it just allows the show to grow. Um, we've been pretty transparent about like what amount we need to like continue paying the cost of the show paying aj to edit and also just like get new equipment stuff like that into the cast that online is where you can find all of that uh, like we said also our bonus this month is going to be god of war very excited for that and our patron bonus is going to be neil gaiman's norse mythology which i'm also very excited for um, a lot of cool bonus content on the horizon. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for me. Anything to add to that or anything you want to bring up? No, I'm looking for something to like stream or record. I'm also going away for a little bit soon. So I don't know how like regularly that's going to happen. Um, got yeah. a lot of weddings going on this September Yeah, uh, that I need to figure out. But all that having been said, uh, I feel like September might be busy, but October going to really be around. And also... It means the beginning of spooky season as well. That's right. I have some plans for that. I have some games left over from last year that I haven't played yet or streamed yet. Mm. I'm thinking about streaming maybe one of the Silent Hills. Uh, more on that when the time is right. I also have some other games that I'm excited to play. So it's going to be a good time. A lot, yeah. a lot of fun plans for the remainder of the year. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as uh, as Stephen mentioned, Into the Castle Online is our place for everything. But in the meantime, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. I am proud of myself that we brought up Oblivion and Skyrim, and I didn't also bring up the architecture of Shade and All again. I am free from my curse. I am not constantly bringing up the architecture of the Cyrodiil city-states. Thank you for your time. I do think that in mentioning it here, you did bring it up. So it's sort of like an Oedipal fate that yeah. like I tried to avoid and did anyway. Yeah, you, tur- you turned around at the last second, unfortunately, and there goes Eurydice. I just think it's cool that all the city-states in Cyrodiil <laughs> echo the architecture of the province they neighbor. For example, Shaded Hall has more wind-esque architecture. Also, the abandoned house with the creepy okay if you were the leader of the dark brotherhood the uh-huh. the elusive assassins yeah that are known and feared right by like like everyone knows they exist would you as a hideout choose the clearly haunted house in shade and all truly like would that be your move N- i feel like no right you would you would want it <laughs> i feel like you'd want it to be a little bit honestly what i would do is probably pick like a place in plain sight you know it would it would be like mm. kind of like a splendorous mansion or something you know not the rundown haunted house i would want it to be like you know kind of kind of a large looming beautiful opulent place i think it's a good move because in the spooky house and shade and all there's a broken well that if you look at it says the secret entrance to the dark brotherhood <laughs> like even if even if you're not in it so essentially has like uh like a charlie brown sign that just says like keep out not assassins yeah. on the door it's great to, to be clear it. my idea about it being a, a majestic mansion is not like I'm not like telegraphing this is the Dark Brotherhood. I just mean like, oh, there's somebody very wealthy lives there. I wonder who that is. Oh, Nobody I knows see. that it's I the see. Dark Brotherhood actually there. But it's like, oh, yes, this person must be old money. Just like a mansion in the Imperial City or yeah. Skingrad even. Yeah. Um, all right. We got to go. 
Let's go. <laughs> Do we? All right. See ya. Bye, Shaden Hall. Bye bye. Bye, Shaden Hall. Bye, Abandoned House. PWG, the worst garbage, the online.